You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Matthew chapter 24, let's turn our cell phones on silent, please, and focus in. Out of respect for God's Word, let's stand also. Matthew chapter 24, we're going to start in verse 1 and read through verse 12. Last week we saw two words, two words that hold great power, two words that are very different from one another and yet used in the same verse as a warning about the last days. We're going to pick up from that thought this Sunday. If you missed last Sunday, I promise you're not, you're not behind. You'll be able to follow through. Uh, in this message. Just focus in here as you, if you would. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us. Now they're going to ask him three questions that they all think are going to happen at the same time. Jesus is going to answer these questions and show them it's not going to happen as you think. Question number one, tell us, when shall these things be that you just talked about? What shall be the sign of thy coming into his kingdom and of the end of the world? Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. That's happening already. That's happening already in churches that claim to be teaching what Jesus teaches, and it's not the Jesus of the Bible. And ye shall hear of roars, wars, and roars, wars, and rumors of wars. That's happening today. But see that ye be not troubled, for all things, all these things must come to pass. But notice this, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, and pestilences, and earthquakes, and diverse places. All these are not the end, but the beginning, the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. That's happening more and more, but we have it easy in America. We have not tasted of persecution the way that other nations are tasting persecution as far as Christianity is concerned. But even so, when that persecution comes, Jesus tells us in another place, do not fear them that can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Everything that he has mentioned so far that is going to happen before the end even thinks about coming are things that we all have a tendency to be afraid of. And yet he says, either in this passage or another passage, don't let that bother you. All of it needs to happen. But then he's going to start talking about something that I think needs to bother us. Verse 10. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. 
He's not talking about enemies here. You can't betray somebody unless you were once on the same side. Verse 11, many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Why are false prophets going to rise? Well, no doubt to offer unity in all of the division. But then verse 12, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Two words, love, iniquity, both powerful, extremely different from one another as a warning of what is going to happen in our time. Father, bless the preaching of your word. Let it come forth with clarity and power so that souls may be saved in this room. Lives may be changed forever. Call the prodigal home. Glorify your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Get comfortable so I can make you uncomfortable. <laughs> what does the Lord mean by love? This worldly love that we think of? You give to me and I give back to you. Conditional love, selfish love, love that is only words and not deeds, love that is weak and gives up at the first obstacle? Certainly not. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and he gave his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Love that is unconditional. We did not earn his love. He gave it to us when we are unlovely and unlovable. And even afterwards, where we did many things against him, he continued to love us. Selfless love. He gave of himself for God, so love the world that he gave. He did something about it. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, he did something about it. Christ died for us. Love that is action. Charity is love in action. That is the love that he's talking about, and that's the only love that is powerful. Unconditional, selfless, not in words, but in deeds, and love that is strong and does not give up at the first sign of opposition. But then iniquity. Iniquity is powerful too. Three different groups of words that talk about the same thing in the Bible. Sin, which is anything that is against God's law. And then you have trespass and transgress, which is a little bit more specific. It's talking about the breaking of a boundary. Remember when you see a, a sign that says, do not enter, and you enter, you are trespassing. You've crossed over a boundary that you are not supposed to cross. When the Lord says, don't do something, and you do it, you have trespassed. Thou shalt not kill, and you kill, you have trespassed. When you transgress, that's the opposite. It's when the Lord says, do not leave this place, and you leave this place. You have transgressed away from him. You have agreed to stay in your spot, and you leave that spot. That is a transgression. But then there's another word that talks about it, and it's iniquity. And iniquity is deeper than sin. It is filthier than transgression. It is darker than trespassing. Because iniquity is what we all have in us that gives us the capacity to sin and gives us the capacity to trespass and transgress. There's a verse that says, I have forgiven your iniquities whereby ye have sinned against me and whereby ye have trespassed against me. There's power in iniquity because the iniquity that lives within you, young man, is the same iniquity that led Adolf Hitler to do what he did. Now, you may be able to withhold some of your sin. You may not sin the way Adolf Hitler sinned, but you have the same capacity to do what he did because of the iniquity that is in you. Eight billion potential 
Adolf Hitlers in this world because of our iniquity. And people want to look around and compare sin to sin. And I'm not as bad as that person. Why? Because they don't sin the way you do? We need to look deeper than that. Well, I've never trespassed against the Lord in that way. Uh, you've done the Lord a favor. I've never transgressed the Lord in that way. Praise the Lord for his grace, not for your pride. It is only because of the grace of God that you are not Adolf Hitler and you are not Osama bin Laden and you are not these people who are causing genocide. Only by the grace of God because you have the same iniquity. And that is what we need to be cleansed from. And the warning of the Lord in this last days, a sign of the times, just like the earthquakes and just like the wars and rumors of wars and just like the pestilences that we're all seeing, right? We're all seeing. Here's another thing that you're going to see. Iniquity is going to go up and love's going to go down. This inner capacity that people have to do the most wicked things is going to start to come out more and more and more and more. People are going to stop holding it back. And when people see, more specifically, when the church sees iniquity abounding, their natural reaction is going to take that unconditional, selfless word and strong love and let it die. Just recently, I'm sure you can all stand up and tell about a time where iniquity abounded in your life or around you. And it was discouraging. It was discouraging to me when I saw that the Southern Baptist Convention recently had to appoint a committee to figure out if the word pastor in the Bible was strictly male. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Husband of one wife, that, that'll do it. We have to appoint a, the Southern Baptist Church has to appoint, we're not Southern Baptists. We're independent Baptists, but you know, they're pretty close cousins. It bothers me. It bothers me when the Methodist clergy, 90% of the Methodist clergy just voted for gay clergy in the Methodist church. Iniquity abounds. That bothers me. This is a letter from a man I looked up to in ministry. Great sadness, shame, contrition. I'm writing this letter come to light several years ago. I was involved in adultery. Lies everywhere. What news outlet tells the truth? Fox. <laughs> Hate to break your Texas heart. <sighs> the compromise, the compromise that we see. Oh, well, isn't almost right better than all wrong? No, 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 no. I would that you were, you're all wondering, is he, is he stomping his bad foot? No, I'm not. Now I am. Oof. No, I'm just kidding. It's fine. It's fine. I would that you were cold or hot. That's God's thing. Oh, well, at least we're in church. At least we're worshiping. 
Nope, he'd rather you be at home in your Snuggie than faking church. All this compromise makes God sick, but it makes us proud. It bothers me, church. Does it not bother you? It bothers me if it doesn't bother you. The church is supposed to be the pillar and ground of the truth, not the almost truth. And there's no such thing as almost truth. It's either truth or it's not. Oh, it's your truth. No, it's your opinion. Truth is a very stubborn thing. And you can throw as many opinions as, it had, as, as once. Your opinion's going to die and the truth is going to stand. Compromise bothered me. The disrespect that we see in this generation bothers me. Employees used to respect their employers. Even when the employer had no business being the employer. They used to respect the position. We used to respect the president. And at least the position of the president. You may not like the president. I hope you like the idea of a president. No, I didn't vote for the one in office. But I'm not rooting for him to fail. Was it not upsetting to you when there was a president in office that you voted in and everybody was fighting for him to fail? Don't do that. Don't, don't do that on, when, when you have a president that is in office that you didn't vote in. We're all on the same side, people. We're all on the same side. Look back at recent history, though. I say recent. It's been over 20 years. The last time America came together, we had to be invaded and bombed to remember we're on the same side here. The disrespect to authority, the disrespect of wives to their husbands and husbands to their wives and kids to their parents. You walk into HEB, you walk into the grocery store, you see the way these kids are talking to their mom and dad. I'll just look at McKenna and I'll say, McKenna, what would happen? <laughs> the last time I asked her that, she went, well, it, oof. <laughs> and that's all she got out. Good. Good. I'm sorry, I'm just a little, makes me feel good how scared my nine-year-old daughter is of me. <laughs> and church, this agenda, this, this sexual agenda that is being pushed is ridiculous. Well, you talk about it all the time, preacher. Well, they put it in our face all the time. And if they're going to put it in my face, I'm going to put it right back. This LGBTQ plus agenda, plus, remember, plus, they're still going, coming for your kids next. Iniquity abounds. It abounds. And it's only going to grow. It's going to grow in quantity and severity. So we have a choice to make. The Lord brings out here, you're going to have a choice to make in those last days. Because you cannot help others' iniquity. You can help your love. You cannot stop other people from letting their iniquity abound. You can stop your love from waxing cold. You have a choice to make. In the face of abounding iniquity, choice number one, you're going to stop loving. Or you're going to keep loving anyway. Now, what is our natural reaction? 
What is the natural reaction when we find out that another man in ministry has fallen in sin? What is our natural reaction? Well, let's rally to the cause. That's your natural reaction? That ain't my natural reaction. Another soldier fell. Another person has taken Christ Jesus' name and run it through the mud. What is your reaction when others quit right in the middle of the battle? Whether they've been very deeply wounded or whether they've gotten a boo-boo. How does it make you feel when others quit? How does it make you feel when a spouse hurts you? Shallow or deep? How does it make you feel when people gossip about you and spread lies about you? How does it make you feel when other people believe it without even talking to you? And your reputation that was somewhat, you thought, strong. Somebody can say one thing and people believe it. How does it make you feel? How does it make you feel when friends betray you? How does it make you feel when you find out that a friend isn't really a friend and they're two-faced? When somebody who used to walk with you in a battle suddenly throws you under the bus? How does it make you feel when good is called evil and evil is called good? And that's the thing. When iniquity abounds and somebody stands up and loves, you're considered the fanatic. You're considered the fanatic. Even in church, even in church, when somebody refuses to let their love go down, even the church will look at them and say, well, that's a pretty zealous guy, isn't he? Give him some time. He'll calm down. What? What? No. Instead of looking at him and saying, give him some time and he'll calm down, why don't you look in the mirror and say, maybe I need to step up? That person is just soul winning all the time. Give him, give him some time. Give him some time. That person is an optimist. Brother Jerry, Brother Jerry used to say, you know what an optimist is? No, you know what a pessimist is? An optimist with experience. <laughs> no, he was being sarcastic. He was being facetious. But a lot of times we look at people who are optimistic about the Lord and happy about the Lord and just letting their love abound, just letting the love of Christ show. And we look and say, oh, give them some time. They'll settle down. What a horrible thing to say. But what is our natural reaction when good is called evil and evil is called good and we get hurt by this and hurt by that and hurt by that and iniquity abounds everywhere? What is our natural reaction? Done. Done. If that's how people are going to act at church, done. Right? If that's how, if that's how pastors are going to act, done. If that's how the ushers are going to act, done. If that's, how, if that's what's going to happen in the nursery, we have an epidemic right now of biting, biting in the nursery. Biting, like, and, and not just like, <laughs> like, <laughs> iniquity abounds. It's a parent problem, I tell you. <laughs> I guarantee you my child's going to bite someone today. It's not a parent problem, definitely a child problem. If, that, if that's what's going to happen, and, if, and if, if, if that's what's going to happen, I'm done with church. And I'm done with God. Because God just allowed that person to assault somebody that I love. And a loving God would never do that. I'm done. I'm done with church. I'm done with God. done with the Bible. It's all a fantasy story. That is natural. That is natural. That is natural. Because iniquity hurts people who love. 
All I'm trying to do is do what's right, and this is how I get repaid? I know that I'm not perfect. I know that I'm not perfect, but you, you, look at, you look at your spouse and say, I know that I'm not perfect, but I just tried to love you, and this is what you do? That's what you say? I go to church because I'm just trying to do what's right, and that's what you do? And that's how they act? Love is tender. Love is kind, right? Love is soft. Love is fragile. And nothing is more harsh and dark than iniquity. They're the natural enemies of one another. It's natural when iniquity abounds to look and say, what good am I going to do then? It's natural, but it is extremely harmful. Let me tell you this, and I'll explain what I mean. Sir, when you get burned, don't put away the fire extinguisher. Ma'am, when you get burned, don't put away the fire extinguisher and start fighting iniquity with iniquity. How many times do we get the devil in us when we're trying to get the devil out of somebody else? You put away the fire extinguisher when you get burned. Listen, iniquity starts fires. Love doesn't start fires, okay? Iniquity starts fires. Somebody lets their iniquity, they take the match, they strike it, and they start the fire of adultery. They start the fire of gossip. They start the fire of hurt. They start the fire. Iniquity starts fires. A lack of love lets it spread. Now this, is, now this is second story stuff. This is mature stuff. You need to listen to me. Iniquity starts fires. A lack of love lets it spread. This causes damage, doesn't it? This causes damage, right? Somebody started the fire. They shouldn't have started the fire, but their iniquity started the fire. That causes damage. But if you stand over here and you let it spread or you fan it, you fan it, guess who's causing damage now? And hey, 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 hey. It's, these people are always at fault. These people are always at fault because they're the ones who started it, okay? They're the ones who started it. They are always at fault. But if you have something that you can do and you do not do it and more damage is caused, now you're at fault too. No, the fire never should have been started. I agree. The person shouldn't have gossiped. The person shouldn't have betrayed. The person shouldn't have compromised. The person shouldn't have cheated. The person shouldn't have done that. They started the fire. It's their fault. They're going to answer to God for it if they do not get right. They will answer to God. It's their fault. They started the fire. But if you do everything in your power to fan it, and not put it out, you're at fault too, and you will answer to God too. Listen, when a church member burns you, I'm sorry that they burned you. It never should have happened. Never should have happened. But when they strike that match of iniquity and they start that fire, they burned you. I'm sorry. But if somebody doesn't put it out, 
many more people are going to get burned. Okay, so a ministry leader, a pastor, a Sunday school teacher said something, did something that, that you don't think should have happened. They, and they burned you. If you let that keep spreading, it's going to burn your kids. No, it never should have started. It never should have started. I agree. But it started. Who's going to put it out? Who's going to put it out? Who's going to put it out? And if you're going to put it out, you're not going to put it out with more iniquity. You're going to put it out with love. Above all things, have fervent charity among one another, for charity will cover a multitude of sins. Fervent, you know what that means? Burning. When iniquity burns, let your love burn hotter. Hey, when your spouse lights the match and they burn you, I'm sorry. Shouldn't have happened. But if somebody doesn't put it out, the kids are going to get burned too. And the grandkids are going to get burned too. And generations are going to get burned. When iniquity starts a fire in a church, it shouldn't have happened. And the person that started it is always going to bear the blame until they get it right with God. But I am going to wonder, I'm going to wonder why the person standing here with a fire extinguisher never used it. I'm going to wonder. Or... I'm going to wonder why you justify fanning it. I didn't start it. I didn't start it. I know you didn't start it, but you're certainly not ending it. And that's why many times the person who starts the fire causes less damage than the one who refuses to put it out. That's why Jesus says when you get slapped, turn the other cheek. And when someone takes advantage of you, go the extra mile. When iniquity abounds, you love. But that's not natural. The love of many shall wax cold, which means you have got to fight to be the exception. Where is the person who will love in spite of iniquity? For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. This is an inevitable sign of the end. Iniquity shall abound, and the love of many shall wax cold. You're going to have to fight when your spouse hurts you. When your kids hurt you. When your parents hurt you. When your friends hurt you. And it's going to happen. When your church members hurt you, and it's going to happen. When your pastor hurts you, and it's going to happen. Because iniquity shall abound. When people hurt you, don't stop loving those people. Don't stop loving your Bible. Your Bible did nothing to you. Don't stop loving your Lord. Your Lord did nothing to you. The people who stay in church for decades and decades and decades are not the ones who have never been hurt. They're the ones who love their Lord in spite of the hurt. And love people in spite of the hurt. Now here's what we think. We're letting them off the hook. No. They started the fire. They will answer to God for it. 
but so will you if you fan it. They gossip against me, I'm going to gossip against them. They slap me, I'm going to slap them. But let's be honest, church. When somebody slaps us, we don't slap them back. We punch them back. You see this in the car with the kids in the back, in the back seat, where one boy And what does this one do? It just started with this. It just started with this. Now, now, hey, this kid, this kid struck the match. This kid struck the match. But you know what this one did? Fanned it. 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 And it, it we have an immense conflagration because of a poke. And how often does that happen in church? Something is said, and you hear it through the grapevine of grapevines of grapevines of grapevines of grapevines. And you take it as gospel. Well, you tell them, if they're going to say that, then you say this. And then grapevine, 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 grapevine. And all you said was, I think you're ugly. And by the end of it, you are wishing death upon their children by boiling of oil. Listen, yeah, you all think it's funny. You all think it's funny. Let me tell you what happened when I sliced my foot with an ax a month ago. I tell my wife in the kitchen, I'm in trouble. I cut my fourth and my fifth toe with an ax. So then she reaches out to my dad. My dad reaches out to the men. 30 minutes later, I'm getting calls. I heard you almost cut off your leg with a chainsaw. I get another call. I heard you were cutting down a tree with a chainsaw and it fell on your foot. Church, I know I'm stupid, but how does that happen? How does that happen? Timber! Right here, right here. We've got to use our brain. So when you hear about something that is being, you, you, need, to, you need to, wait a second, hearsay, what, what's going on here? But then it goes back, forth, back, forth, back, forth, back, forth. And we have an immense conflagration because of a poke. Letting them off the hook. No, they started it. Stop fanning it. Love anyway. Well, I could get burned again. No, no, you will get burned again. You will get burned again. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You know what tender-hearted means? The heart that is healing, you open up again to be hurt again. Isn't that what love is? My wife knows enough about me to crush me, but I trust that she won't. In order to love, you have to open yourself up to hurt and trust that the person won't. You will get burned again because iniquity abounds. Well, you're not giving us a lot of incentive. Okay, incentive. Reasons to not stop loving. Don't stop loving. Number one, if you do, iniquity wins. If you do, iniquity wins. I want you to read in Jeremiah chapter 1 through chapter 20, where that man does nothing but bear his soul to the people, and not one convert, not one person listens. And so he says, God, you've deceived me. 
You've lied to me. All I've done is speak in your name and it's brought me nothing but trouble. Guess what? Done. I'm done. Iniquity abounded for Jeremiah, his love waxed cold. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones and I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. And he, he goes on to say this, the, the enemies watched for me to quit. They watched for me to quit and Lord, if I quit, they win. And I'm not gonna let them win. Not while I have God on my side. If you stop loving, iniquity wins. Why is iniquity winning when you have God on your side? It's not a God problem, that's a you problem. Don't stop loving. If you do, iniquity wins. Don't stop loving. If you do, you become the burner. You become the burner. You start letting your iniquity abound. Let me explain this. How many people are in this room? 130, 140? Okay, listen. There's a hundred, let's say 130 people in this room. Some of you are gonna hurt me. Not all of you are going to be kind to me. But each of you will be. I learned this from a great old preacher of the past. Listen, listen, listen. not all of you are going to be loyal, but each of you will be. Not all of you are going to be loving, but each of you will be. Not all of you are going to be supportive, but each of you will be. Not all of you are going to be faithful, but each of you will be. Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. 130 people, not all of you are going to be faithful, loving, and supporting. It's just balance of probability, not all of you. But when I talk to you, I'm going to treat you like you will. Not all of you are loyal, but when I talk to each of you, I will treat each of you as if you are. Because when I approach it that way, when I approach it that way, I'll be wrong maybe about four or five of you out of 130. But I'll be right about 125 people. If I treat all of you as if you will be loving, I'll be wrong about five. I'll be right about 125. But if I let my love wax cold because somebody has burned me in the past, and so then I treat each of you as if you will burn me also, I will be right about five of you and wrong about 125 of you. And I have now burned 125 people by not letting them come close to me because I put you in the same group as a select few other people who have hurt me before. When you stop loving, you become the burner. And would you rather be right about 125 or wrong about them? And how many times have you seen people shut down because they've been hurt? and they treat everybody as if they're going to do it, and they shut out the very people who truly love them. Don't stop loving, you become the burner. Don't stop loving, we will lose all hope to reach the lost. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, that ye love one another. Our love is what makes us different. Love in spite of iniquity, not love that ends with iniquity. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. I read this the other day, and I did not like it. Luke 
Luke chapter 6, verse 31. As men do to you, do ye also likewise to them. No. And as ye would, that man should do unto you. Do ye also to them likewise. Listen, though men may never do what they could do, don't stop doing what you should do. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love them that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. I don't like this verse. I like parts of this verse, but I don't like the condition of this verse. Love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. Get this, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Have you ever showed love to somebody, and instead of saying thank you, they just... They don't say thank you. They don't show any gratitude. They don't give anything back. And what do you want to say? Well, I just can't wait to show you love again. No, you're ungrateful. You're ungrateful. I ain't going to do that again. He is kind to the unthankful. He is kind to the evil. That is different love. That is love that is unconditional, not just by words, but also by deeds. That is love that is selfless and love that is strong and love that sets us apart from a world of iniquity where people will say, what's different about you? And then you introduce them to Jesus Christ. Don't stop loving. You're commanded to love. Take Genesis through Malachi and replace them all with these words. Love God and love your neighbor. All the law and the prophets, love. You are commanded to love. Don't stop loving. Not loving is just as much a sin as a man marrying a man. Next one, don't stop loving. God will close this church. 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 What? We're full. He'll close it down. He'll shut it down. What? We have all these programs. And they're thriving right now. He'll shut it down. What we're seeing souls saved, he'll shut it down. We're seeing people baptized, he'll shut it down. And we labor, we labor, we labor, we labor. He'll shut it down. You know what he told the church at Ephesus? I know your works. Thou hast born, thou hast patience, thou hast labored. Nevertheless, I have someone against thee. You have left your first love. Repent, therefore, and do the first works, or I will remove your candlestick from you. Labor can never replace love, Martha. Don't stop loving. In the face of abounding iniquity, have abounding charity. 
And you're going to have to make that choice because it's not natural. It's not natural to keep loving when iniquity is abounding. But somebody has got to carry a fire extinguisher when there is a forest fire of iniquity going on. Somebody has got to do it. And who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? The non-denominational church that doesn't, pray, that doesn't preach against iniquity? Or, or the churches that are, where, the, where the priests and the, and the preachers are involved in iniquity themselves and don't stand to preach against it? Are they going to fire or extinguish it? No. They're the ones that are striking the match. Somebody has got to love in spite of iniquity. And Jesus said it's going to be my followers who do it. Mine. Here's my conclusion. No, not yet. What, what is your marriage without love? What is a marriage without love? Your roommates. What is a business without love? Something that's only for money and not for eternity. What's a brother and sister relationship without love? Oh, you don't know what he's done. I'm sure he's struck many matches. Have you put them out? Why would I do that? Ye shall be children of the highest. That's not good enough for me. I can't help you. What's a church without love? A gym. A social club. A waste of time. Don't stop loving. Here's the last one. Don't stop loving. Jesus didn't stop loving in the face of your iniquity. He created man, gave him one rule. And it didn't take very long. For us to strike the match. And he didn't say, done. He said, no, I have a plan. I have a plan. I'm going to send my law, follow my law. Yes, sir. Build a golden moo cow while he's gone. And he tried. I'm done. I'm done. And Moses a daysman, an intercessor, said, Lord, please give him another chance. Okay. And they didn't listen to Moses, and they didn't listen to Joshua, and they didn't listen to the prophets, and they didn't listen to the kings that did right. And even the, king, even the best kings let their iniquity come out. And yet God would say through Hosea, how shall I give thee up, O Ephraim? I've loved you with an everlasting love. I can't stop. I've got a plan, and I'm going to see it through. And he sent his son, and they despised him and rejected We despised him. We rejected him. We yelled, crucify him. We wanted Barabbas. We laid the scourge on his back. We mocked him. We didn't believe. He died because of us. But be assured, as Paul said, be assured, Peter said, be assured, 
The Lord hath made this same Jesus that ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Because for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. In the face of your iniquity, he loved still. And if you do not know Jesus as your Savior, the greatest iniquity that you will ever commit is rejecting such love and choosing your religion instead, choosing your way instead. There is no greater iniquity than unbelief. No greater iniquity than pride. You need to be saved. If you've trusted in anything but Jesus, you need to be saved. If you've never asked him to take you to heaven, you need to be saved today. Today, not tomorrow. He doesn't work tomorrow. He works today. This may be the last time he passed you by. You need to be saved. And once you have partaken of that love and you don't show it to other people, regardless of what they do back to you, you do not show it to other people. Christ asks this, how dwelleth the love of God in him? In the face of abounding iniquity, and it's going to happen. Somebody has to choose to be a husband that shows love anyway, and a wife that shows love anyway, and a ministry leader that shows love anyway. A child, a parent, a cousin, a friend who shows love anyway. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.